Today's the first Sunday in Advent. You notice that uh, the green season has changed to blue. I think I look much better in a blue chasuble than a green one, actually. We've come to a new year. The word Advent, as you know, uh, it means appearing or coming. And in the church's calendar, Advent's the beginning of a new church year. Those of you who are lectors know that we change to a new round of readings. Uh, every three years we uh, repeat, but for three years we hear major portions of Holy Scripture. And Advent's not just a beginning leading us to the birth of the infant Jesus, but also a time when we're reminded of last things, when Jesus is to reappear. Not as a baby, but as a king. So in today's lessons, we hear from Jeremiah in the Hebrew uh, scriptures that someday in the future, a new leader from the line of David will be sent to Israel. And it's this leader who will be the Messiah. Then in the Christian scriptures today, the early church in Thessaloniki is told that Jesus will return soon, within the lifetime of those who first heard or read the words. But it's difficult now in the 21st century to think very clearly in terms of an immediate occurrence of, of the coming of the Christ the King because that second advent or second coming, though it seems clearly predicted in the letters of the apostles and in the predictions of Jesus, seems very far away, both past and future. What I want to focus on today is this new year and what it can mean for us and for the church, a new beginning, new opportunities, a clean slate for us to fill with better actions and thoughts and beliefs. We have with this first Sunday of Advent a chance to begin again, surely a time for optimism. And I want to share a story of a new beginning with you. As you may have noticed in the announcements in today's bulletin, this is the anniversary of my baptism. It's also the anniversary of my dear and longtime friend Louise Gwynn's baptism, who attends faithfully at 8 o'clock. So many of you have never seen her. <laughs> we were baptized 60 years ago today, a Tuesday evening, at St. Mark's Episcopal Church in Berkeley, California. We were undergraduates at Cal. Neither of us had belonged to a particular church, and we liked St. Mark's as we made our rounds church shopping. Of course, we were living then in Berkeley, a place where seeking guidance within the walls of established Christianity was not a particularly popular thing. The city was also known as Little Moscow, and we often ate breakfast after church at a place known as the Commie Kitchen. <laughs> It was only because it was next door to the communist bookstore, actually. The loyalty oath was still sizzling at the university. Senator McCarthy and the House on American Activities Committee was busily saving the USA from whatever it was that was supposed to be corrupting us from within. Louise and I had already visited the Methodist, the Presbyterian, the Congregational, the Lutheran churches in Berkeley. But the Episcopal service felt right. 
So we decided to attend the fall confirmation instruction class that was about to begin at St. Mark's. As we attended Sunday services, morning prayer, except on the first Sunday of the month, and became more convinced that this was the right place, we met with eight or ten others every Tuesday evening. We did not perhaps realize the lifelong commitment we were making. We'd been attending St. Mark's, and so we knew the rules, then in effect, that we were not to take communion before we were confirmed. Then it was announced that the bishop would be there to confirm us on a Sunday in December, and we were relieved to hear that this would occur before the Christmas break when we would be heading to Southern California to be with our families. A couple of weeks before the event, forms were handed out in the confirmation class so we could offer some personal data. Among the questions was, when and where were you baptized? I said to the priest leading the class, I'd never been baptized. Neither have I, said Louise. It was a sobering moment for the class. So our instructor gathered the group together, herded us from the parish hall into the church, turned on the lights, went into the sacristy for a moment. Then he had Louise and me kneel down by the font, and we were baptized. The date was December 2nd, 1952, 60 years ago today. And in that long ago moment, we began a lifelong journey into a new life. We began an Advent journey. This was at a time so far before women's ordination that women were not even allowed to serve on vestries, nor as acolytes, nor as lectors, nor as delegates to diocesan convention, let alone as deputies to the National General Convention. But we have stayed, and we've seen great changes in the Episcopal Church change we didn't even think about 60 years ago. As I begin my 60th church season, I still look forward to what lies ahead. The baby will be born. He will grow into the Savior who will try to teach us how to live. He will tell us to love, to be productive, to treat all people with respect and love. He will promise us both hard times and times of peace But mostly he will serve as an example to all of us to trust in our creator and in the goodness of the world. The prayer book used at my baptism was published in 1928, and it did not include the same words that we now hear at baptism. But each time we hear these new words, we should renew our own dedication to God. And the first Sunday in Advent is a great time to do that. We need again to promise to give up things that injure us or injure others. We need to profess our love for our creator and of our neighbors. We need to promise to study and practice our faith and to respect the dignity of every human being. It's a time for beginnings, for new life. Paul today in his letter to the Thessalonians speaks mostly of his love for his fellow Christians and of how much he looks forward to being with them. It's a model for us to give thanks for this congregation and for our parish, our diocese, and for the church throughout the world. And Paul also speaks of the importance of living in peace and love so that we will be ready when Jesus comes again. This second coming 
is not a concept that the Episcopal Church has preached relentlessly, as have some branches of Christianity. But we acknowledge that such predictions are part of our theology, part of the round of time that underscores our faith. And so this day, at the advent of the year, when we think of preparing for the birth of the infant, we are led to the reminder that Jesus will return, not obviously as soon as the first Christians believed, but in the future, and that he will then come not as a baby, but as a powerful king. This is part of the great mystery of the future. In today's gospel, Jesus himself advises his disciples to prepare for the next stages of experience. These are described in terms of the ending of things, just as today we emphasize the beginning of things. There are churches, as you know, where the major emphasis is on the next things. This is preached and discussed almost to the exclusion of the present or of the world we live in, in any dimension. It's an approach to the gospel that obviously appeals to those who are in need. It's a promise that the church can make to those who believe that this present life is too difficult, too unfair, too painful. But our church has chosen to emphasize other aspects of the gospel. And on this day, the beginning of a new year, let's recognize that we are preparing for this life and also for the life to come. And if we focus on what Jesus taught us about living now, we can also learn about living for the next reality. Sixty years ago today, I promised to enter a new kind of life, one I didn't even know very much about. But the church and what it believes is most important has led me through some remarkable years, both in my personal life and in the life of the world and of the church around me. When we review the baptismal promises, we'll see that all we strive for and all we hope for can only be achieved with God's help. Happy New Year.